together. <clears throat> Amen. Why don't we just take a moment and just quietly bow our hearts and our heads together and let's thank the Lord for what we've just been singing. Uh, my heart has been very moved by this morning as it is every morning when we gather and sing together. And so let's just quietly bow our heads and uh, close our eyes and uh, just express a few quiet praises from our hearts to the Lord whom we've just been glorifying and singing about his wonderful goodness in our life. Father, hear the prayers of your people. No fear. Victory. Life is worth the living. He lives. Our hope is founded upon a solid rock. Lift up your voice and sing his praise. Lord, we're so grateful today. What a good and gracious God you are. And it's when we come together like this that we're reminded of who you are, what you have done, and what we have. And so we praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the wonderful name of Jesus and all God's people said together, Amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, uh, when I was in my early 20s, there was a best-selling book entitled Dress for Success. And some of you may remember that book. And the premise of the book was, your appearance will affect your success. So, said the book, if you want to make a good impression and you want to be successful, you need to dress the part. Now, when I was 24 years old, I had the biggest interview of my life up until that time for seminary. And so I decided I had better dress for success. So I uh, put on the best suit that I owned. I'm sure that I had it pressed and dry cleaned. I put on uh, the nicest, uh, sharpest shirt and tie that I had. I traveled to the seminary, went in for the interview, and the very first question the administrator asked me is, what do you do? And I said, I'm a youth pastor. He said, a youth pastor? He said, I, I thought you would come in here with a Hawaiian shirt on not a three-piece suit. And my very first thought was, this didn't work. <laughs> I dressed for success, and it backfired. I should have worn a Hawaiian shirt and shorts. I was so let down, uh, you know, give me my money back from the book, right? Now, isn't that the problem with self-help books? Isn't that the problem? Self-help books depend upon human advice and human technique. And here's the idea in these books. If you do this, and it all depends on you to do it successfully or do it right, then you can be successful. By the way, that's the old lie, isn't it? You shall be as God. You'll be able to do it all by yourself. Now this morning, we are starting a series of messages on the book of Proverbs. 
And if we could give a title to this Old Testament book, the title would be this, God's Wisdom for Life. God's Wisdom for Life. And I want you to look at that title for just a moment. And if I took off the first word and it was just Wisdom for Life, what would we have? Wouldn't we have another self-help book? Here's a collection of wise sayings that will make you a success, but it's all up to you. It's all up to you. If you apply it right, you can improve your life. Now, we like the book of Proverbs because it's very practical. It gets down to the nitty-gritty, doesn't it? It deals with relevant issues that we face every day in our life. But here's the thing. If we see it as a self-help book, we will go astray. It will disappoint us like Dress for Success disappointed me that day. Uh, one of my old professors had this to say, and I think he's right on target. He said it would be wrong to conclude that Proverbs is a secular book. Its teachings are solidly based on the Lord. The purpose of proverbial teaching is to inspire faith in the Lord. And so what we need to see is the role of God in wise living. He must be central if we are going to live wisely. Now this morning we are going to take a look at perhaps the most famous passage in all of the book of Proverbs. It is Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. And I want you to take your Bibles there this morning as we begin this series on God's wisdom for life. And I want to begin by reading at verse 1 and 2 and then drop down and read verses 5 through 7. And I just encourage you, look at what God's Word says to us today as we delve into this. My son, says Solomon, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Now drop down to verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight paths for you. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. Now here what we see in these verses that we know so well is the role of God Himself in wise living. And there are two things we need to see about God's role in our life if we're to live wisely. Here's the first one. We must know God personally to live wisely. Please mark this down in your thinking. We must know God personally if we are going to live wisely. Verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now trust here is the Old Testament word for faith. And it's very interesting, the imagery of the word helps us understand its meaning. Originally, this word trust had the idea of lying helplessly face downwards. 
It meant to throw oneself face down in front of somebody else or on somebody else. In Psalm 22, 9 and 10, the word is used this way, for a nursing baby lying on its mother's chest, totally helpless and dependent. What a great image for faith. So trust here means to rely on to place confidence or assurance in, to commit oneself to. And when it says, do this with all your heart, it's talking about absolutely, completely, totally giving ourselves to God in reliance upon Him. And when it says, trust in the Lord, it's speaking of a personal relationship that we enter into by faith. The word Lord here is God's personal name, Yahweh. So this is not a cold, mechanical, aloof dependence upon a God who is distant. Instead, this speaks of intimacy, of relationship. God wants to be known by us. He wants to be in a father-child relationship with us where we trust Him entirely. If I were to ask you this morning, uh, what is the New Testament counterpart to this verse? What would that verse be? Well, I think you could make a very good case. It would be Acts 16.31 which says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be what? Saved. And Lord in the New Testament is always referring to Jesus. So trust in the Lord ultimately is a reference to Jesus. And so this is telling us that we enter into a personal relationship with the Lord when we place our faith and trust in, in Jesus and what He's done for us. Pastor Jim Neuheiser says this, the command to trust God brings to mind the way of salvation. Conversion occurs when we repent of trusting in our own goodness and wisdom and put our faith in God and what He's done for us in Christ. So think about this, brothers and sisters. Proverbs 3.5 is the Old Testament way of saying the first step towards wise living is accepting God's salvation in Jesus Christ. You see, what we have to do is admit, I don't have what it takes. I'm cut off from God by my sins. But I believe the message of the Bible that He sent Jesus to pay for my sins, to make a way of forgiveness for me, and a way by which my life could be changed, and I must turn from self-reliance and self-trust and turn to Jesus as Savior and Lord. That's what the writer is telling us, Solomon. You see, Jesus offers His total self to us today on the terms of total grace. And what He deserves and He demands from us in response is total trust in the love, mercy, and wisdom of God that He has given in Christ alone. 
and living wisely begins here. I've shared with you many times that this happened in my life when I was a teenager. I became aware of my own inadequacy, my own helplessness, and I realized that I, I needed God in my life, and I needed Jesus. And it was a very difficult time of wrestling with all of that. But finally, as a teenager, I came into that personal relationship with the Lord, and it totally changed the direction of my life. I have never been the same since. And so Solomon starts right off and says, if you want to live wisely, you need to know God personally. By the way, if you have any doubts about that or any questions, and even those of you that are online, that's why we're here. It's to help you come to know the Lord in a personal way. We're here to help you if you have any questions about that. But now Solomon goes on and he says there's a second role that God has to play in our life if we're going to live wisely. And here's the second role. We must submit to God daily to live wisely. We must submit to God daily to live wisely. The next two phrases here in Proverbs 3 are some of the clearest statements in the entire Bible on what it means for Jesus to be Lord. You see, Jesus came to do more than just forgive us. He came to be Lord over our lives. In fact, He doesn't offer one without the other. He offers to forgive us, but He also says, I want to be Lord over your life. And if we're going to live wisely, we must submit to His Lordship. Now Solomon tells us here there are two things involved in submitting to the Lordship of Christ. And we need to mark them down very, very significantly. Number one, it involves an attitude. Number one, it involves an attitude. And this attitude is to say, we are not sufficient in ourselves. Is that your attitude this morning? If Jesus is going to be Lord of your life, you have to have an attitude as you come to Him. I am not sufficient in myself. The second half of verse 5 says, do not lean on your own understanding. It's interesting, the word lean on here is a word that means to support oneself, to rely on, to depend on. And it was used of Samson in the book of Judges, leaning on the pillars of the Philistine temple in order to support himself. It was also used of King Saul in 2 Samuel, leaning on his spear to support himself. And what is very interesting about this word? It is often used in Scripture to refer to leaning on something that is unreliable. And what's unreliable? Your own understanding. My own understanding. You lean on that, says Solomon, 
and it's going to fail you. This word understanding is a very important word in the book of Proverbs. We'll see it many times. And it comes from a root that means between. It means to distinguish, to separate, or to decide between. So it's talking about the ability to decide between alternatives and make the right choice. So leaning on your own understanding means to be self-sufficient, self-determining. It means to have this attitude. I'm adequate all by myself to handle life's decisions. That's what it means to lean on your own understanding. To say to yourself, to convince yourself, I am adequate all by myself to handle life's decisions. And Solomon says, if you're going to live under the Lordship of Christ, that's disastrous. Our attitude must be we are not sufficient in ourselves. Uh, you know, uh, I think about this, and I remember that I used to watch the Dr. Phil show uh, sometimes. Uh, it's been a little while since I've watched that program, probably about two years since I've seen the Dr. Phil show. And Dr. Phil certainly has some good advice. But as I listened to him, the impression I got was always the same. He told people with big personal and relational problems that they could do it. If they just had more insight, more wisdom, more self-determination, they could do it. They could turn their lives around and they could change the course of their futures. You know the one thing I never heard Dr. Phil say? I've never heard him say, without God, it's hopeless. Any of you ever heard him say that? I've never heard him say that. But that is the truth. Here's the truth this morning. Without God, forget it. You can't do it. No matter how much advice you get. Uh, Ruth Graham who was the wife of Billy Graham, once said this, God has not always answered my prayers. She said, if he had, I would have married the wrong man several times. There's an honest woman, wasn't she? What was she saying? I'm prone to mess it up. I'm prone to go astray in my own folly. Isn't that who we are? Isn't that who we are? See, here's what Solomon is saying to us. We have to recognize and admit I'm helpless. I will make a mess of things if I go it on my own. 
if we want to live under the Lordship of Christ, that's the attitude we have to come to Him with. I'm not sufficient in myself. Now here's the second thing that Solomon says is involved in living under the Lordship of Christ. Secondly, our choices. Secondly, our choices. And he says to us, seek God's perspective on your choices. To live under the Lordship of Christ, you must seek God's perspective on your daily choices. Look what he says in verse 6, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. The word ways here refers to our actions, our behavior, and our choices. And acknowledge Him is a very interesting expression. It is literally know Him. Know Him. So in all your actions, all your choices, all your behavior, know Him. And that is referring to intimacy of relationship. In fact, the expression is used in the Bible of marriage. So you know what he's saying? Walk in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he means. Every day, seek to know Him and His will. And as you do that, you will be walking under His Lordship. Now, as we look at the book of Proverbs, there are going to be three questions that we will face over and over again that will help us to live under the Lordship of Christ. We're going to see these questions repeatedly in our studies. And the first question is this. What does God's Word say about it? What does God's Word say about it? If we want to live wisely under the Lordship of Christ, this is a question we must constantly ask. Look back at verse 1 for just a moment and notice what he says. Do not forget my teaching. But let your heart keep my commandments. Let's mark this down in our lives. God will never lead us contrary to His Word. Never. And therefore, if we want to live under Christ's Lordship, we must always ask this question. What does God's Word say about it? Here's the second question. Secondly, is it morally and ethically right? As we go through our studies in Proverbs, this question is going to come up constantly. Is it morally and ethically right? Look at verse 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. God will never lead us to do wrong. 
And if we do wrong, God will never lead us to ignore that wrong, but rather to make that wrong right. And so says Solomon to us, if you want to live under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you must repeatedly ask yourself this question about your actions, your behavior, and your choices. Are they morally and ethically right? And if they're not, you need to get it right. You need to follow God in making it right. And then here's the third question. The third question that we see over and over again in the book of Proverbs is, who is modeling wisdom for me? Who is modeling wisdom for me? Look how verse 1 starts. My son, my son. Do you know that phrase appears 23 times in Proverbs? 23 times, my son, my son, my son, my son, my son. What's that about? Five of them there? We got what? 17 or 18 more to go. Now let me tell you a little bit about Proverbs. Proverbs was originally written as a training manual for leaders in ancient Israel. It was written by Solomon and other, other godly leaders in the king's court for youths who were in their teens and twenties. How many youths will we have today in our services who are in your teens and twenties? Proverbs is for you. Proverbs is for you. And then when the whole book was finally collected into one book that we know as Proverbs, Solomon intended it for dads and moms to train their children in godly wisdom. How many moms and dads, grandpas and grandmas do we have here this morning? Proverbs is for you and me. And what this is telling us is this. Proverbs are best learned from those who model wisdom. Proverbs are best learned from those who model wisdom. Proverbs 13.20 says this. Walk with the wise and you will become what? wise. Walk with the wise and you'll become wise. Look around our church today. Find those people that you know are godly and wise. You know what they'll tell you? They'll tell you, I learned from somebody else who modeled it for me. My life is a, a reflection of walking with other believers who came alongside of me in a place like Bethel Baptist Church and modeled wisdom for me. And I'm wise and godly today. 
because of years of walking with the wise. Amen? This morning? So here's the question for us. Who are those believers in your life who are models of godly wisdom? Get to know them. Spend time with them. Watch them. Learn from them. Because Proverbs says, mark this down, you will become like who you follow. Walk with the wise and you will become wise. You become like who you follow. Did you notice the last phrase in verse 6? He will make straight your paths. When we know God personally and submit to God daily, Solomon says, here's what's going to happen. He's going to put you on a straight path. You're going to be on a path that is straight and right and true. And when you're on that path that is straight and right and true, then everything else falls into place, doesn't it? You see, what's the issue in life? The issue in life is what path are you on? Is that a path that is straight? Is it a path that is true? Is it a path that is right? And if it is, everything else will fall into place. By the way, didn't Jesus say that? What did Jesus say? Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You see, that's what God wants to accomplish in our life. That's what he wants to accomplish. Know him personally. Submit to him daily. Get on the right path under the lordship of Christ. And he will make everything else fall into its proper place. Let's bow our hearts and our heads this morning and let's ask the Lord to accomplish that very thing in our life. Oh God, how we need this. We're living in such a confused and wayward age. So many voices are shouting at us, this is the way, this is the way, follow me, I know what I'm saying. And we know so many people, whether young or old today, are confused. Their lives are not straight and right and true. And as a result, they're not experiencing your leading and your guiding. 
And Jesus, we love you today because you have saved us. But you also came wonderfully that you might be our Lord. And Proverbs is all about how can I allow the one that I've placed my faith in for my eternity be my Lord now? And so we commit our hearts afresh to you, thanking you for who you are and what you have done. For Jesus' sake, Amen.